Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much, as always, for being here. This is a this is a round number episode, episode number 700, or as it's known in the podcasting world, the reverse James Bond. We are recording a little bit later than usual, of course, because uh, we played last night a classic. Is it a classic? The scoreline was a classic, if the game itself wasn't. Quite a classic, but still interesting enough. A 1-0 to the Arsenal. A win over PSV Eindhoven in the Europa League, which more or less secures top spot. It certainly secures knockout football. The question now is, can we get the point we need of PSV away in order to top the group and avoid another round of fixtures, which I think in this packed season is something that uh, we need to do and be uh, be very mindful of. I think that is certainly part and parcel of why Mikel Arteta picked the team that he did last night to make sure that we won the game and, of course, to uh, make things as uncomplicated as possible in what is already a, a very complicated season. So... Without further ado, we might as well just get on with the conversation because there's plenty to talk about from the game. Some interesting comments from the manager afterwards about Bukayo Saka and a few bits and bobs going on in the Premier League in general. With me to discuss all that, it's Clive Palmer. Hi, Clive. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You were there last night to see Arsenal uh, beat PSV 1-0. What I think, you know, on reflection is perhaps a more interesting game than I thought while it was going on. Hmm. Arsenal had 25 shots in this game, but it never really felt like we clicked from an attacking perspective or just the final pass, the final shot wasn't wasn't quite there. But we absolutely dominated them uh, in terms of uh, shots taken, 25 shots to four. Saka had five shots. Jesus had five shots. Eddie Nketiah had six shots. Granit Xhaka had four shots. You know, the, the scoreline perhaps didn't reflect the way that Arsenal controlled and dominated the game. Yeah, that's really, really true. I felt really comfortable, Andrew, honestly. Yeah. Mate. It was like sitting there, what should I have for halftime? Should I have a couple of beers? Should I have a hot dog? It was literally sitting there thinking those sorts of things. And we were just strolling up the pitch. And if anything, it was sometimes, there's a couple of things that came to my mind, really. As we get better, teams are going to respect us a bit more. Mm. And it was obvious to me that PSV dropped away. They went into their little mid-low block. And in some ways, it made the game easy for our back players. Sometimes when it's easy, the, the ball rolls a bit slower. Yeah, There isn't the duel for, you, for us to create transitions and then really fly through teams. 
And going to that game after going to Liverpool and Spurs, when every ball was contested and every inch of grass was contested, it was different. You know, it felt different. And this could be a signpost for the future, mate, if I'm honest, because, yeah. you know, look at some of the Man City games that we see. I'm not saying we're going to be Man City, but you know where I'm going with this. Sure, sure. Yeah. Some of those Man City games are a bit sterile on occasions, you know, because um, the fight isn't there because teams are so scared. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I said that in the, in the blog today as I was writing and I was going, I expected more from PSV because they'd beaten FC Utrecht 6-1 uh, the, the weekend before they came into this game. They put five past Zurich on two occasions. And I was thinking... Okay, this this could be a team that could cause us some problems, you know, based on the the way that they're scoring goals. But then I was as I was writing, I was wondering like, is their game plan predicated not on what they did in those games, but on the fact that they're playing the Premier League leaders? And this isn't really a this isn't really a scenario we've had to consider for for too long. Let's face it, you know, the idea that a team might might have a perception of Arsenal that's maybe different from, maybe not different from the one we have, but we're kind of used to every game being a challenge. And I'm not saying that games are easy, but, you know, I could go back 18 months or two years or three years and you look at the fixture list and you go, ooh, I don't know how we're going to get on in that game. And you're away at Bournemouth, you know, something like that. And it's like every game is, well, potentially we could slip up here and now you don't feel like that anymore. But maybe that's then evident in the way that other teams come and approach a game at the Emirates. You know, when we're in good form, we've won nine out of 10, the Premier League. Are they going to come and be swashbuckling and have a go? Or are they going to do what PSV did last night? Sit back and try and counter, which they did on a couple of occasions, but not to any great effect. See, what you're really saying there, mate, is you have to get comfortable with us being good. And we're not <laughs> quite comfortable with this feeling yet. So when Thomas Frank comes up before the Brentford game and basically gives us all the praise in the world, we're thinking, well, is this some sort of kidology? Some sort of psychology? Mind trick? games. <laughs> and then when Spurs basically throw the towel in with 10, 15 minutes ago, well, is, is Conte trying to save his reputation? We, we could just be good. And... <laughs> We, we, can you accept this? Can you accept this feeling? Or have we still got Newcastle in our brains from last season? We could just be good. Also, these coaches are all elite coaches and they get all of their data slices and their information. And in all the data slices, Andrew, we look good. Mm. You know, our expected goals for, our expected goals against. We know all the new numbers because we're now experts, aren't we, mate? All the data. So, um, and um, we know where to find it anyway. (laughs) We know, and and, we know who understands it, who can explain it to us. Exactly. We we talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) So, and they tell. um, But but joking aside, you know, it's not hard to find that all the underlying numbers say that we are clearly the second best team in the league. Clearly, and. In some aspects, we are right up there, you know. In mm. And we have players at, currently that cover the back door and the front door with a level of physicality and aggression, technique, intensity, that we are, we look, mate, I'm telling you, we look good. We look good, you know. The last three games have been a real example to me, particular home games, of where we've been and where we're going and how we're going to get there. Mm. So last night, I mean, what was encouraging for you in the sense of you know how we how we attacked because you know 
I will. It sounds ridiculous to say a team that had 25 shots didn't click from an attacking perspective, but there were a lot of kind of nearly moments, weren't there, where maybe a pass could have been better. Maybe a first touch could have been better. Maybe the, the actual shot could have been better. Um, but there was, you know, plenty to like about the fact that we created that many opportunities, even if you could say we were a little bit wasteful. It was interesting to see Eddie and Keddy and Gabriel Jesus start together and Eddie played on the left and yeah. stayed more on the left than than I thought he might view the view of the game on TV is obviously a little bit limited I sort of expected Jesus to drift a little more left and Eddie to sort of for those two to sort of switch around a little bit more than they actually did how did you feel that uh, selection went it's an interesting one because I when you see it, you think it's not quite working. Then you forget about the five shots we just had in the last 10 minutes. You, yeah. you think it's just not working. And I was, I sort of said to myself, or I may have tweeted out that, should we go back to the old system where we had Kieran Tierney in the front five, you know, push him on, you know, and then, and he'd be p- part of our front five and then push Eddie inside. Mm. And then you're more like, you sort of got two strikers if you, if you want to be more aggressive on that left-hand side. But we kept our normal pattern, our normal position, and it's a positional play that's really making us look slick because we just know where everyone is. Mm. And we're just not veering away from it. The way Eddie played it, he sort of like played it like a centre forward. So Martinelli is much more back to the touchline on the half turn, ready to come back or go really spinning behind. Whereas Eddie sort of posted up a little bit more, you know, showed his number to the defender, receive it, can I roll around and then drive? Mm. Or just set it off and go. So he played a bit more... Not with the same creativity, but Smith Rowe does that as well. You know, sometimes he sets the play from the left-hand side and he doesn't always sprint in behind. But we have become quickly accustomed to having two devastating, speedy wide men in the wide areas that can travel inside, keep the ball, be a goal threat, but really run off the ball well. Mm. And Eddie's not like that. So the first thing in my mind was, we need, a, we need a winger. <laughs> we need a winger, you know. We need a winger so we can keep the same dynamics that we, we've grown used to if Sacro Martelli are not able to play. Sure. You know, so... Um, but I thought he did an okay job. But, hey, look, if Smith Rowe was available, he would have played that game, wouldn't he? You know, and, and Eddie would have played up front. So that's just where we are at the moment. Yeah, on the other side, and we're going to have a, a sort of wider discussion about Bakayo Saka in, in a little while because there are some comments, some very interesting comments, I think, from... Mikel Arteta that we'll we'll discuss, but I just wanted to touch on his performance. Again, sort of nearly, nearly made a significant contribution to the game. He ended up with five shots, three shots on target, five key passes, five dribbles. It's mad to think. Andrew Allen ran the numbers this morning, actually, on on first team appearances for the Arsenal squad that we have right now. And by the end of this month, only Granit Xhaka will have played more games for Arsenal than Bakayo Saka, which is a bit mad, really, when you think about how young he is and everything else. Xhaka has made 264 appearances, Elneny 148, Saka 145. On a night like last night, when you know how important it is to win the game because Arsenal's position in the group now looks pretty secure. You, we need a point uh, next week in in Holland to to finish top of the group to avoid those extra two games. 
Bukayo Saka is always going to be a name that you have on your team sheet. Yeah. The the lack of a credible, in inverted commas, alternative probably plays a little bit of a part in this. But you can you can just see how quickly and how well he is developing as a player and how much of a cornerstone he is for Arteta and the way he actually wants his team to play and attack down that right-hand side. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, um, Andrew, honestly, the level of performance that he brings to the to the game, I and mean, yes, that could be one of his best games, you know, and I, keep, I feel like I'm saying that all the time <laughs> over the last sort of six months. Um, he just brings his levels, top levels. He brings a level of certainty when the ball goes into him and he goes into him and he has the intelligence of when to come out of that space, how to pass out, when to run out, when to pass out, when to bounce it off somebody, one, two, then spinning behind. He makes so many correct decisions in the middle third of the pitch and in the top third of the pitch. We all want him to have more shots and have better shots because that's what we're like. We're never satisfied as fans, but he had them on toast the whole game. Three men around him, you wouldn't know it. And you can always tell... Players, I always think players almost tell you the good players and they, they can't wait to get the ball to him. They just can't wait, you mm. know. And, and and he takes it he takes it from the goalkeeper. He takes it from Ben, ben White or Tomiyasu, from, from short distances, Modegaard. He creates partnerships whenever he's on the pitch and those players tend to look better and he's a big part of that. And I He was my standout as I walked away from the game last yeah. night. I thought, crikey, you know what? This is an important game. We we lost your mate Martinelli off the left hand side. You had to carry us a bit more offensively, and I, and I thought it was excellent. And to have that level of maturity and comfort taking responsibility for Arsenal Football Club at twenty twenty one makes you you know we got we've grown used to him. We we mustn't. We must remember this doesn't happen very often. You know it really doesn't. It's, yeah. it's generational stuff, right? And. Yeah, I think he played fantastic last night. Fantastic. Let's um, just talk very quickly about the goal. Uh, came from Granite Xhaka. It seems a bit mad to think that, you know, on a night when you've got Jesus, Saka and Kedia on the pitch and they had, you know, 15 shots, basically 16 shots between them, that the goal is going to come from from Xhaka. But that, that late run that he makes into the box and has been making into the box now for not just this season, but he was doing it last season as well. Um at some point, defenders are going to have to say, actually, <laughs> so one of us is going to have to mark Granishaka here. Um, his reputation, I think, has allowed him a certain level of freedom in the opposition box, which if he continues to play the way he has or has been playing and, and scores goals the way he's scoring them, um, there's going to have to be a, a bit of a rethink on the part of, of defenders and, and the opposition because normally they would have they're just gone, it's, it's only Granit Xhaka. It's a bit, bit uh, Tim Lovejoy in the FA Cup final when he went, it's, oh, it's yeah. only Ray Parler. But at some point you need to learn that actually Granit Xhaka is getting in some very dangerous positions and Granit Xhaka is capable of, of scoring some good goals. It was a decent-ish cross from Tommy Asu, but for a big guy like Granit Xhaka, the ball's coming at about hip height and it's on his wrong foot. I mean, that's a good swivel and hit from uh, from a guy who isn't always known for being nimble, shall we say. <laughs> you're, so, you're so polite. <laughs> so, like, uh, so I remember last time we, 
we did a podcast actually, I think it was a pre-season preview when you restricted mm. me to 12 minutes, remember? Yes, I tried <laughs> and, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and basically, um, I spoke about what I wanted to see this year and it was like increased maturity, but also I, I noticed increased level of physicality. And the three players I mentioned was Saka Martelli, and I just said Granite Shaka. And I didn't just say that because I just fancy saying his name. I just noticed a difference in him, how he looks and how physically supreme he looks, how he moves. I thought, why did I say that? People are going to wonder, why have you said that? But it just it struck to my mind. And I went again last night and physically he is superb. He looks bright. He looks as fit as anybody on that pitch. He plays the most games. And Andrew, what the big thing that I've always criticised him was for... You know, he's, he's Tony Adams' Strictly Come Dancing feet, right? They're a little <laughs> bit slow, a little bit, a little bit. But actually, his agility as the ball's coming to him now on the half turn has, like, gone up through the roof. The ball's just flowing through him. He's moving around the ball and moving out of his feet so much more quickly. And so, you know, in my mind, I've always respected him and I've, I've always praised him. But in the back of my mind, I've always thought, you know, because I'm always solutioning the future, how can I retire him? You know, how can we upgrade him? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've all thought, we all, you know, we have players. How can he improve him? How, but actually, the more I look around, I, I'm not having that thought anymore because he's playing that role really, really well. And he's adding skill sets to it, which I never thought he would. Mm. Agility, intelligence, when to arrive. He's got certainty in both feet. He's got good contact on both feet. He understands how to kick that football, that's for sure. And... But he's just enjoying it. He looks so much more free. And the start we've had this year, I just cannot imagine it without him being on the pitch. And that's a huge step forward. And there were times when people saw him as more of a negative weight to us. But I cannot imagine it. Other players can rest, but he always plays. And that tells you where he is in a major's eyes. Yeah, it's, it is something to note that when you talk about him or when I think about him now... Sometimes I sort of have the picture in my mind that he's he's a bit heavy legged and it like he's never going to be um the quickest but there's a sort of lightness to the way he moves across the pitch now which is a little bit new and I'm a little bit confused as to how that happens with a guy who's just turned 30 you know I don't know whether he's changed his diet maybe he's gone vegan who knows um <laughs> got some tips from Hector before he w- he went to Barcelona I don't know but you know, there is something um, about his physicality now that is enabling him to play the way that he's playing, higher up the pitch, more involved, less def- uh, defensive responsibility, which I think obviously is a good thing. But yeah. I don't know. I don't quite know how to explain it. Um, it could be still just that, maybe it's confidence. Stuff. It's confidence yeah. in your feet. He still does, yeah. But I mean, he's not quite as responsible in uh, our half as he used to be, which is where some of the problems occurred, you know? Yeah. So after the Spurs game, he was walking around the stadium and he was really touched by the adulation he was getting. And mm. we see him as a stoic, you know, quite hot-tempered individual that may not be emotionally sensitive. Do you see what I mean? Mm. But something is clicking with him. He feels, he, he's feeling the love and it's bringing a new level of performance. I'm, I'm assuming... You know, when you feel that people are truly invested in you, you become more invested in everything you do, you know, and he seems to be doing that. And 
he is not surprising me, but there are certain things I thought he would never do, and he's now doing them. Mm. Uh, and he's doing them on a regular basis, receiving the ball back to goal. It's not a problem. On the half turn, not a problem. If I need to run in beyond, I, he's, he's on left wing on occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he runs in at centre forward, and so he's six foot one, arriving in the box at centre forward. That's a problem. His role is to distract for other people that may be better. But actually, he ran into a box yesterday, stood still, ball cuts back, goal. Never doubted it when he scored it. Yeah. Against Spurs, did you did you think for a minute he was missing that chance? No. Not for a second, the way he approached it. So this is stuff you could always say you can never, you can't fool people. We can all see it. So why is it happening? You know, it's more the question, but... Long may it continue, mate. Long may it continue. Yeah, confidence is a hell of a drug, uh, to coin a phrase or to paraphrase um, something else. Let, let's talk about a couple of players um, who are relatively new to the club. Fabio Vieira first. Mm. Um, there's no question that he has got vision and technique in his locker. No two ways about it. Towards the end of the first half, he sort of just jumped into the game uh, in a way and made some passes. There was one brilliant pass to Gabriel Jesus, which he, he tried to hit on the turn in the box. I don't think he made any any sort of connection or certainly didn't get much of a connection on it. But the pass from Vieira was, was absolutely superb. It's still very early days, of course, for him. He only arrived in the summer. He's finding his way, finding his way in, in, in the club in England and all the rest of it. But um, he was a little bit quiet before that. Yeah the game sort of passed him by a little bit as it kind of did last week, I think as well, where he wasn't quite as involved as I thought he would be based on, on how good he is technically. And I noticed um, last night that he started to get into the game when he, when he dropped a little bit deeper, the way Odegaard drops a little bit deeper. Um, I mean, how much of this is a concern to you? Is it just sort of teething problems? Is it a guy settling in? I'm not uh, making any definitive judgments, but I'm just curious as to what you think about those periods in the game where he's not quite there, despite the fact he is obviously so good on the ball. Yeah, he he plays like one of us, right? His movement is is, is wonderful. He How he understands his teammate is really good. So he plays with the same brain as the other players in the team. So that's that's not a problem. It's quite an interesting contrast when Odegaard came on. Mm. And Odegaard comes on and he's like, he feels totally comfortable within the group. So he comes on and he just says, right, give it to me. And his whole body language says, I better give it to him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> simple as that. And he rolls off the front line with a bit more intent and commitment. And so, what you know, with my coaching hat on, I'll be, I'll be saying to Vieira, Go get that ball. I'm going to judge you on the most touches today. Have the most touches. That changes your dynamic. If you say come off the pitch with with 70 touches or 70 passes, mm. that's what I want. I don't care what else happens. I want that. Because you can't let these, say, easier games go past you. This is the time to learn, practice, and be really ball dominant. Mm. So the ball dominant gene needs to come out. Footballing-wise, we can all see that he's he's really good. Be more ball dominant. Really move to receive it because once it's at your feet, we look better. You know? Yeah. So would you agree that the output's still there? And you just you told me the output. But I look at him and think, I want you to to grab this moment by being not by being shy, mm-hmm. but be by being exuberant and really rolling off the front line and receiving it. Yeah. I mean he had fewer touches than any of the starting eleven last night. Thirty seven touches of the ball. 
Um, passed it very efficiently, 96% pass completion. But again, uh, it was only 26 passes. Um, Saka had fewer at uh, uh, 24, which is very interesting to consider when you think yeah. about the impact that he had, but he was sort of more getting on the end of things, whereas Vieira is playing in the, the kind of role where you're looking for him to, to make things happen. I mean, I, I'm excited by him, I have to say, because when he does yeah. arrive, where when he does get into the game, what he can produce and what he's capable of producing, I think, is is really exciting when you consider the players that we have in those front positions. Yeah, I mean, is it a case that some of the other players, I mean, you can say to him, look, be a bit more assertive, be a bit more dominant, look for the ball a bit more. But is it about maybe some of the other players in the team learning to trust him Yeah, as much as that? I think so. I think we. I think that's part of it. That's a good I should use that word, assertive. I should use that. He needs to be a bit more assertive. And, and that's, that's, that's one thing. Mm. But I, I also think there are some players... That, that need the fight. They need the. Some players are really happy for flat track bully players, right? They, they they can show it no matter what. There's some players that need a hard game, mm. and I I'm sometimes other players become more ball dominant than they normally would be because the game is a little bit easier. And some players we want to see be more ball, ball dominant may defer. Now when Odegaard comes on, he defers to no one. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think that's what I'd like to see him just be. Don't be so different. Be be stronger to be on the ball. Mm-hmm. On the ball, we're not really have got a problem with him, right? So yeah. he's so so versatile on the interior, on the exterior, not a problem. Overlaps, underlaps, can clip that ball in with perfect quality. Um, he just needs to touch the ball more often. So part of that should, part of that could be his teammates, but I'm looking at the player and say no don't let the game pass you by be more certain okay well we'll see see how he develops Uh, as we said it's still very very early days Uh, another player I want to talk about who has been here for a bit longer is Albert Sambi Lukonga he was very vocal this week uh, some comments made um, you know about considering his future at Arsenal but he said look he still feels he's got something to prove here um, obviously didn't play as much as he would have liked last season and probably isn't playing as much as he would have uh, would like this season, but it's tough to break into a team that is playing as well as Arsenal are playing right now. I look at games last night and I think early on there was a really fantastic pass from deep to Eddie out on the left-hand side, a real pinger of a ball, like absolutely superb technique to send Eddie away. And to be fair, Eddie did really well to 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 make the pass look good as well. So I'm not saying it's all down to the pass. Yeah. But I'm I'm looking at him and again, he's tidy on the ball, but I do feel like something isn't quite there. There's something missing in in the way that he plays. Nights like last night, I'm not saying he should just absolutely run the show or anything like that, but when you've been talking, when you've been saying things as publicly as he's been saying things, nights like last night are the 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 chance for you to show people you can, you can back up those words with performances uh, that will make people pay attention to what you're saying a bit more closely rather than looking at it going... You know, maybe you'd be wiser to keep your counsel in in this regard. How do you view him and and the way he performed last night and and the way things are going for him? Because he's here now. This is his second season. 
this was, I think, always going to be his role this season in 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 the squad, the Europa League games, the cup games. These are these are his. I mean, do you feel like he's playing in his right position for a start? There's a lot to there's a lot to talk about here. So let's do some psychoanalysis first, right? So our deepest fears is one of our deepest fears, Andrew is. Thomas Party is so good, we worry about him, right? And so because of that, we, we look at his replacement. Mm. And we look at his replacement with really keen eyes. So we automatically do our own gap analysis between Sambi and, and, and Thomas Party, and basically that there is a gap. But I mm. think there would be a gap to almost anyone in the league, by the way. But let's not go there. But there is a gap. But we want him to seize the opportunity. So what we say, we look at him and say, okay, can you play a bit more urgency? Come on, we want you to seize this. We need this gap closed. We know we run a risk with Thomas Party's health mm. and fitness. We need this closed. And if he doesn't show the urgency and the the desire to really drag out a performance, we then worry about his, his, his attitude and engagement. Are you engaged? Are you comfortable with your role in the squad? Do you need to play more? Are you struggling not being first choice? And these are all the things that go through our mindset. Are you playing in the right position? If El Nelly was fit, would he be sharing minutes with Shaka mm. last night? Should, you know, you know, he, sh- he should have stayed on the pitch for me, right? And the fact he didn't told me something. The fact we didn't score when he was on the pitch tells me something. Mm. He should have been popped up to eight and Shaka should come off and rest for the weekend and party come on, keep his minutes going. But we didn't, right? So... There is a concern there, and we we know we we run a risk in the squad in that position, and we want him to mitigate that risk by by playing better, and it's not quite happening, mate. And yeah, I'm my worry, if I'm being brutally honest, is I've seen Nicolas Pepe disengage from the squad. I literally see it happening on the pitch, and not playing to the same rhythm and the same brain as the other players. I don't think we're there yet with Sambi, but I worry that he's not coping with not being the first pick as well as we want him to. Yeah. Because you know, he's very important to his squad. You know, very important. There was a moment last night, and I could be misremembering, um, or it could be just the way TV pictures go, but there was a moment where I think he misplaced a pass and the cameras cut to Arteta on the sideline, and there was a bit of a like, mm. you know, uh, and of course, I could be reading something into that that isn't there. But we know perhaps when this manager isn't fully convinced by a player, I think sometimes the player feels that, and that might be part of that might be part of why they're not feeling engaged to use your word or or convinced that regardless of what they do the 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 future is going to be bright here at Arsenal. Look, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I think there's a a tidy footballer in there, but I'm not necessarily seeing enough for me to feel confident that if he were to get an extended run in the team, that we'd um, that we cope as well as we might like, you know. And I think that's part of why maybe at the end of the transfer window, you know, when they, we had the injuries to El Nene and Partey, there was a, a sort of an about turn on what we were going to do. Absolutely. It wasn't. It wasn't a case of well, it's okay. We've got Sambi. We trust him. It was like let's get fucking anyone that anyone yeah. turned out to be Douglas Louise um who of course is staying now at Aston Villa and that might have said as much as we need to know about what faith 
there is in in Sambi at this moment in time. Like, I'm not saying he can't turn it around, but I do feel like there's just something not quite there on the pitch and off the pitch right now. Yeah, I agree. That the Douglas Ruiz thing was very instructive. What I would say is, towards the end before he came off yesterday, he started to carry the ball a little bit more. And I think he's playing a bit trapped in himself, Mm. trapped in his game. But when he carries it and he starts to, the ball come through him and then he carries it directly, not just carries it to the path, person he's going to pass to, mm. but carries it directly, breaks through the line, so the picture then changes. I think that's more him. And we're asking him to, to do the receiving and then move it out your feet straight away in a prescribed positional manner, right? But I think he's got a bit more creativity in him. I think he wants to carry a bit more Gwen like for me. You know, Gwen Deasy likes a little, fl- a little run and a mm. jog and a carry. His hair flicking in the wind. It's because me, me you've got no hair, right? I'm no, a bit jealous true. about that. <laughs> I, I don't but want that hair anyway, though, so it's fine. <laughs> His hair flicking in the wind. Look at me. And then he's, he passes it, gets it back. I think Sambi's more that player. He needs to be freer mm. and have somebody standing behind him. And we're asking him to do a role that I think he's trapped within. Right? And... Yeah. um. And he's been he's been judged on the accuracy of his first pass, when I think he would create a better angle for a pass and be a bit more creative. Yeah. So to your point about is he in the right position, that's a debate. I think so. It's I think debate. I think he's probably better further forward, just a little bit further mm-hmm. forward in the pitch than in that deep line position. Because like I said, he is he is quite good on the ball. He's got a decent shot on him at times, and he has created chances when he plays a little further forward. But like you say, that that role within this team structure is very defined. And maybe it yeah. doesn't give you the license to express yourself or, or to showcase your talent because you're expected to do this, do this, do this. After that, we can see if you can add a flourish here and a flourish there. But for the most part, maybe he's just concentrating on doing that aspect of the job. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, it, it is an interesting one to consider. Right. Before we move on to the quotes from our Arteta about uh, Bakayo Saka and, and players and minutes and things like that, uh, just a brief um, word on your your mate, Cody Gakpo, Tommy Asu. Um, so basically, had him in his pocket all night, didn't he? Yeah. See, Cody Gakpo, it's good. First time I see him live, live, and um, looks beautiful. Stands there, looks a perfect, perfect player. But he doesn't run very well, if I'm honest with you, Andrew. He doesn't run. He's got very. He just doesn't run like he should look. Like mm. he looks like a, he should run better. Mm-hmm. He doesn't run well. Another player, they were quite intimidated by Arsenal, the whole thing. It'd be interesting to see what like at home. The whole experience intimidated him. Um, that guy, Xavi Siemens, was better. Yeah, he was, he was good. brighter, he sharper. Good. Um, he wasn't sharp, didn't look quick, didn't look like he could manage the moment. And if I'm honest with you, he looks more of a centre forward than a, than a wide man, mm. though he starts from the, from the left. Um, I didn't fear him at all. Didn't see him, had no fear. You know, sometimes you feel the other players. I didn't feel anything... Mm. I, I didn't think Tommy Asu was great. He just did it jogging. Yeah, you know, like and, he wasn't um, troubled, was he? Tommy Asu was like as as routine as it gets. Did it jogging? Not yeah. even worried for a second, you know. And um, so that tells you something, doesn't it? So um, yeah, we do need a. For me, we need one more forward, um, but that's not the one. Yeah. I don't think it's intense enough for us, and it's a struggle. To be honest, mm. if you look around Europe at the moment, 
The Premier League team levels are so high. To me, it looks so good. And these players struggle with the intensity of the league consistently every three, four days. And we have become accustomed to the athletes that we watch and the, and the rhythm and the speed by which we play. Sure. And we really are, we pay the highest wages in the world. We're being spoiled up to a, to a degree. And these players have got, that's a big jump from the Dutch top league to the Premier League, right? And so, um, yeah, it's a development developmental player that they're trying to get fifty mil for. No chance. <laughs> He's uh, he needs to develop a long way, a long way to yeah. get to Premier League level. Yeah, like you say, it'd be interesting to see how they are at home because it, it's going to be a lively stadium as well, lively atmosphere uh, in PSV next week. So maybe that might have a, a little bit of an impact. Right, we talked about Bukayo Saka, and on the TV, he had a shot. And then they said, oh, he's gone down holding his calf. And I was like, oh, fuck. Bollocks. It's fucking, it's caught up with him at last. <sighs> it's going to ruin his World Cup. All, that, all those thoughts went through my head, right? Then they showed a replay where basically he just got a kick in the back yeah. of the calf, which can happen in the first minute, the 90th minute, in training, whatever. You can't legislate for that. So I was looking at the kick going, not that I want to see him kicked, of course, yeah. I don't, but I was glad it was a kick and not like one of those where it's a, the guy pulls up and it's like, oh, I'm done. Like my muscle has just gone, ding, and that's it. So <laughs> I, I did fret about him for the final part of the game. And, uh, you know, we made a couple of changes and I was going, oh, Saka must be coming off here. And I was like, no, he's taking off Tommy Asu. He's taking off. I can't remember who else came uh, off at that point. And then eventually he put on Reese Nelson for Bukayo Saka. And he was asked afterwards in the press conference, Mikel Arteta, about the minutes that players are being asked to play. And uh, I think it was Nick Ames from The Guardian who, who asked him if the amount of minutes that Saka plays, is is it sustainable? Um, Saka's the third um, in the list this season. Uh, Shaka and Gabriel at the back have played more minutes than Saka, but like we said earlier on, he is a, a, a cornerstone of Mikel Arteta's teams. He starts every game in the Premier League and has done for, you know, uh, the last 50-odd games. This is what Mikel Arteta had to say. I'm going to play the clip here and then we can have a, a little bit of a chat about it. Look at the top players in the world. They play 70 matches every three days and make the difference and win the game. If you want to be at the top, you have to be able to do that. And if we start to put something different in the mind of our young players, I think we are making a huge mistake. Because then it's one yes, one no. Now I don't play. Now in Astrotov, I don't play. I don't want that. I want them to be ruthless every three days. They're going to be knocking in my door. I want to play and I want to win the game. I mean, I think that's really interesting because we're worried about the physical aspect of this. We're worried about players breaking down under the strain. We're worried about injuries. We're worried about fatigue, the mythical fabled red zone, which apparently doesn't exist. Um, all of the, all of those things we're hyper concerned and hyper vigilant over and, we're counting the minutes that a player is playing. And does he need to play in the Europa League? Why are we playing our first team players in the Europa League? All of that. And for me, it's fascinating that Mikel Arteta is looking at this from a completely different perspective. He's, he's talking about the mentality 
the mentality of a footballer. I want to yeah. play. I want to play in every game. I don't want an excuse. He doesn't want to have a player who's, you know, like he said, oh, it's AstroTurf. I don't want to play. Because he was quite, uh, last week he, he, before the game against Bodo Glimt, he was asked, uh, did you practice on an AstroTurf pitch before he came? And he just said, no. Like he didn't expand on that answer. Yeah. But he didn't want to give it any any oxygen, if you like. He didn't want to give that discussion any oxygen. So it really is interesting, isn't it, to think about Arteta. This is what he's he, – it's completely different from what we're thinking. We're worried. We're – you know, all of those. We've got this these butterflies in our stomach every time a player goes down. But I, I think they look at it differently. That, that you know, injuries or strains or whatever—that's part and parcel of football. They don't necessarily necessarily related as much to how much a player is playing as we do. Yeah, I think you know. I, I often talk about myself talking about player welfare, particularly young players. Don't overplay them at a young age because we don't want mm. their careers to be compressed. I'm not an expert on this. I just do it based on what I've seen before, right? And. Saka's got amazing acceleration and sprinting speed. I don't want to lose that because he's overplayed him too young. That's my gut feel. Yeah. But then Arteta's living in a world where he's, for me, he's already in the future and he's thinking, so what happens next year if we're playing Barcelona in the Champions League on a, on a Wednesday night? Do we, do we have to rest him? Do we, none of us would expect us to rest him then, would they? You know, yeah. we, we all want to see him. So we all want we all want the top games, don't we? We all want the best league. I'm sick of that Europa League music. I, I want to see <laughs> us playing Bayern Munich and Barcelona's again. And when we do, mm. we're expecting all of our boys to be there, you know. And that's what he's saying. So I can't give you that mental weakness, that excuse now, because where we're going, this is what's expected of you. So I'm focused on this is your, what we expect. And you have to make sure you're prepared, you're rested, eating the right things, doing the right things off the pitch to be ready to play every three or four days at this level. Because I don't see Kevin De Bruyne missing many games midweek, you know, and and that's um they just do it, right? So he's trying to lift the levels and lift the standards and take away the excuses where we turn up at places and we don't have the mentality to deal with a, mm. a an away crowd at Spurs or at Newcastle. That can't happen. We got to go there, ready to play, ready to perform at the highest level, and he's preparing us for what we want to be, and not just a qualify for the top four, to be a sustained top four team, something that happens all the time. Mm. And for that, mentality and character is as important as the talent these people have. You know, when we're talking about Sambi earlier on. And we're talking about Nicolas Pepe in, in the previous times. We've seen some really wonderful, talented things around the football. But when it comes down to it, your character to apply your talent consistently is a differentiator between a really good player and a really, really, really good player. And that's what he's focused on. And he seems to be on Saka a bit. Remember last week he was speaking about his defensive actions pre-game, sort of saying he didn't really defend very well. They tried to praise him in the conf press conference. And he said, no, he's, he can do better off the ball. He can do mm. this. He's trying to lift it, mate. And say, don't be satisfied with your single-digit squad number at Arsenal and being a hero from the academy. Go to the top. Go to the very top. And if you do this, you will go to the top. And you can do that here. So I love that approach. And it was, it was a learning moment for me. Mm. He said that. And I thought, yeah, this is what we want. 
we're already looking down the road, mate, in my, in my mind. That gut feeling you have, though, you know, about overplaying players when they're young, we have seen it mm-hmm. happen. We have, it's not like, this is the thing about human beings. We're all different. Everyone's an individual. So there's no prescribed method of, of um, you know, managing a player's career and managing a player's minutes because you can play a lot when you're young and then hit a wall when you're 28 something like that, or you start getting injuries or whatever it is, you know, that can happen, but it can also not be the case that you can play a lot when you're young and keep playing all the time, you know, depending on how well you look after yourself, you might be a bit lucky physically in terms of, you know, some players are just injury prone. Some players can play through aches and strains that others aren't willing to play through, or they, you know, they can't get their mind right. For example, if they're playing with a bit of an ache or a strain, they can't feel like they can contribute a hundred percent. This goes back to the mentality thing. But, you know, when you think about somebody like Saka, um, and I'm I'm touching wood here, right? I don't want to jinx yeah. anything. But, you know, this is a guy who has started the last 51 games in a row, 52 games in the Premier League in a row, whatever it is. I mean, should we not be looking at it from the perspective of this is a guy who can do it every week and who can play all the time and produce at a high level and contribute and... and score goals and make assists and influence games perhaps because he's playing all the time Yeah. as much as us worrying. I mean, I get it. I understand why people worry and I worry myself, but you know, maybe we have to look at it a little bit differently and, and decisions that are made within a football club that sometimes feel like we can't quite comprehend what's the thinking behind that. What is the, what is the rationale behind that? But, a lot of these decisions are made with an excess of knowledge and information that we are not privy to when it comes to sports science and fitness data, recovery data, all of that kind of stuff goes a long way to informing the way that that not just Mikel Arteta, but football managers in general make their decisions about players and team selections and all the rest. Yeah. I think it's the one that's the one area where we do lack transparency, isn't it? We, Mm. we, we don't see the scientific information they see. But then in my head, so in my layman's head, I look at someone like Raheem Sterling. I think they're very similar in body types, how they play, acceleration is a big part of their game. I look at Sterling, what, 27 now, 27, I think, approximately. Mm. Um, Still at a top club, still can move. I do wonder if he's lost (laughs) a little bit of his top end, you know, um, if I'm honest with you. And... um, and so I look at Saka and I think, I don't want you to, to lose your top end speed at 26, 27. So in my mind, let's keep you nicely cushioned, you know, rested every now and again. That's just a sure. that's just my parental side coming out, you know. <laughs> I don't want you to get hurt. I want you to be ready when I need you. And we can just pull you out against Spurs away, thanks. And you can be 100 miles an hour. <laughs> but, um, but Arteta tried to build a, a, a football club and a culture, isn't he, of winning footballers that, Wanna that need to turn up, mm. and um, and so my little soft stuff, it's not going to work in that room because we're going to end up with uh, people that don't play up north with back strains, you know. And we've seen that for many years. People that selecting their games, you know. I'm not going to mention them, Andrew, for your mentions, but um, but we we've seen that before, and we we argued about it. Well, he's injured, or well, he's it's rubbish. We, you know, it's all about standards and what you're allowed to do within your environment. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So yeah, let's just, just touch with, but I still want another winger. Oh no, no, <laughs> I still no! Want another winger. I, I do too. I do too, and I do. I do suspect that if we did have another winger, there would be, you know, a, a greater incl- inclination to to manage Saka's minutes um, than there is right now. But it's yeah. it's you know it's as I said, it's partly down to just how important he is to yeah. the team and and maybe some of the players that we have who could fill in not being quite ready to to do that to the level that Arteta wants and especially for a game against uh, against PSV. That, that is the that is honestly Andrew, I'm not sure where you're going next, but I have to say something now. I think we're watching this and we're watching what we're doing as a as a club from the mo- from the first preseason game, what's happening around the club, what's happening on the pitch? I mean, we've basically only just not won one game, right? So um, it's been incredible, and even in that game, I felt we were very well worth a draw minimum, right? So I'm looking around, and I'm looking around to the the barriers to success, and what you've mentioned there touched on is all about the next layer. Can we develop that? Can we improve some of that? What do we do in the next layer? Can we simplify the game for them mm. within the structure that by which we play? Um, I saw I saw a video this morning said we've had the most settled start eleven for about a year in the league, and that's good. But we all have this deep underlying fear <laughs> that when some key members are out of that starting eleven, what are we going to do? Mm. You know, and yeah. that may be driving some of our opinions right now in sure. my opinion well that's uh, maybe a discussion for for another day finally for today um a managerial departure in the premier league steven gerrard sacked mm-hmm. by aston villa um i think they made him walk home last night um they sacked him before the fucking team had even left the stadium by the sounds of it um I mean, I'm not surprised, really, to be honest. Um, when you lose, mm. when you lose the fans to the extent that he did, it's it's difficult to come back from. Even if there might be, in some way, some some parallels with the way some fans felt about Mikel Arteta not too long ago. I'm not saying that that Steven Gerrard, if he'd been given more time at Aston Villa, would be doing what Mikel Arteta is doing uh, now at Arsenal. I just I don't see that at all. Yeah. Um, you know the idea. <laughs> I remember not not long after he took the Villa job, there was all this talk about like is Steven Gerrard going to be the man to take over from Jurgen Klopp? And it's like whew, people really yeah. do get ahead of themselves when it when it comes to football. But but does it does it sort of put what Arteta is doing into a different kind of context for you when you see what Gerrard came in, tried to do at Aston Villa, failed to do, and now paid for with his job? Well, there's a number of young majors. I'll, I'll go the Gerard Lampard Arteta route. Similar ages, similar, you know, s- similar experience in the Premier League. Some more successful than others, but and it's interesting how the the two guys, Lampard and Gerard, were originally so fated in their roles. Mm. Almost like, well, you're just going to be good, right? And Ar- Arteta was the one that did all the grounding. Did all the work and has come in in a in a in a terrible situation, you know. For me, when he joined Arsenal, I remember thinking, "Why would you want this job?" You know, the club is broken, disconnected. Why would you want this job? And to take this on as a first job, come through a pandemic, come out the other side. I mean, I think it's incredible effort. And 
But if you are into leadership and coaching and development like I am, from the very first interviews you heard from Arteta, you realised there was something happening there. And when I see play people like Steven Gerrard, who are well-intentioned, decent coaches, you know I also you know quite like Rangers, Andrew, so I've been watching him from a Scottish perspective. Don't boo me on the podcast live, will you? <laughs> so like, uh, I'm stopping, I'm stopping and, myself. <laughs> and so I watch, I've been watching him for a while. And in the end, what I'll be watching in, in, in the in next few days is the interviews coming from the dressing room, the players, because I wonder what the relationship was like between him and the players. That's the bit. Yeah. When that goes, that's when you know you've lost it. He was unlucky with an injury to the centre-half he brought in, but the way he treated Tyrone Mings pre-season, took the captaincy away, and then the player that he probably brought in to take him out got injured, then you have to go back to that guy. Be careful how you treat people, mate. That need that you need to head airplanes out of the, the, the penalty box. Be careful <laughs> how you treat people because they may not dive in and block that shot if they know you're disrespecting them. They might head it back towards their own goal to present yeah, the opposition maybe with a lovely they'll chance. They'll do that. <laughs> treat people nice. Treat people properly with respect and dignity, and you'll get it back in spades. And I sometimes think maybe he got ahead of himself. That's just my analysis mm. from a distance. Um, but I think when you, whenever people talk about the manager's got to go, I always look at the player-major relationship because the dressing room tells you if the manager's going to stay or not. And um, what's your space on that? I guess so. I guess so. All right, we will leave it there. Um, as ever, pleasure to talk to you, Clive. Thanks very much. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Thank you very much indeed to Clive. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Clive PAFC, at Clive PAFC. And you can listen to him every week on the Arsenal Vision podcast, who are very gracious to send him out on loan uh, for this particular episode. So thank you, guys. You'll find their pod in all the usual places and at arsenalvisionpodcast.com. Right, that is that for this week's show. I'm going to get this out to you now, uh, Friday, as quickly as I can. As ever, thank you very much indeed for listening. We will have a Southampton preview podcast for you tomorrow, Saturday, on Patreon, so join us for that, patreon.com forward slash arseblog, and we'll have an Arsecast Extra on Monday with James, looking back on what happens at St. Mary's on Sunday afternoon. For now, though, thank you very much, and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye.
Arsenal Football Club today released a statement distancing themselves from the outgoing British Prime Minister. This week has seen mayhem in the Houses of Parliament, and in some quarters there's been criticism of the Gunners for their part in it. However, non-executive director Tim Timothy Lewis said, For the final time, Mikel Arteta did not say, Trust the process. New Prime Minister Count Binface could not be reached for comment. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 